Welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week we watched and we'll be talking about Pixar's Wally. Do you want to tell us a bit about this movie, Jan? Wally is a 2008 Pixar movie, Disney Pixar. It was directed and co-written by Andrew Stanton and produced by Jim Morris, co-written by Jim Reardon. It stars the voices of Ben Burt, Alyssa Knight, Jeff Garland, Fred Willard, John Ratzenberger, Kathy Najimy, Sigourney Weaver, and Macintalk, the Macintalk system, <laughs> as right. various robots. Macintalk. Macintalk. It came out in June of 2008 when I was uh, pregnant with our first child. And mm-hmm. so we thought we saw this in theaters because we saw many many movies in theaters because you know what theaters have air conditioning conditioning. i think we saw this on canada day we did we did indeed we saw this on canada day in an empty movie theater we were the only ones in the theater it was the best it was the best but was really the best was the air conditioning because (laughs) when you're pregnant in the heat of summer air conditioning is the greatest if you've never had a chance to watch a movie in an empty theater like it's a good time it is a really good time then we had to watch the movie. No, Jan wouldn't make out with me. <laughs> I wanted to see the movie. Oh, yeah. Jan. All right. So, Paul, <laughs> what's Wally about since you were paying attention? In the year 28-something, the world has been overcome by pollution and a series of robots have been tasked with the job of cleaning up. But only one of them is still functioning it's our hero, Wally. A probe from the ship bearing the remnants of the human race comes back to Earth and discovers living vegetation. Wally and the probe named Eve return to the Axiom and struggle to thwart the evil ship autopilot and uh, begin the automated progr- process of returning the ship back to Earth. They succeed. We all live happily ever after. Amazingly. Back on Earth. All right. So, objectively, how's Wally as a movie? There's a number of things, I think, to say about this movie. There are several fronts on which this movie deserves a lot of credit conceptually and creatively. First of all, as with most Pixar movies, this is a such a good-looking movie. And I remember watching it in theaters, and it was even more impressive. Just the, the scenes in space and the scenes of the vast, uh, desolate, post-apocalyptic Earth and the spaceships in the design, the animation. This is just a gorgeous movie, visually. Especially the first third. The first third on Earth with Wally by himself, is very impressive. Yeah. And the parts in space, like, visually, they look really good. Mm -hmm. The part where he's, you know, hooked onto the spaceship and he's stuck outside and trailing his hand through the rings of a planet. Yeah, that's a good point. Flying through nebula and it's really good looking movie. So Mm -hmm. that, I think, is, this is one of the movies that really established Pixar as a reliably high-quality movie-making organization. 
I think they already were established by this point. I feel like this movie, maybe there, maybe they were. I feel like this is a movie that was like, this is, uh, you can count on Pixar to make good movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think visually it's a really, really good looking movie from conception to execution. And unique is what I feel like about this movie and about yes. this is what Pixar can do is these really unique visions. So things like Wally and Up especially are just something you would never see before in a kid's movie. And to have the first third of this movie with no real dialogue to speak of. Yeah. You have some recordings and you have uh, music. And other than that, it's just Wally wandering around and, and like, meeting Eve. Emphatic sound effects. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was the other thing that I was going to say next also is just the concept of this movie and how even in the last third, uh, there is some dialogue. They, we get some human characters and some dialogue, but it's still quite dialogue light. Yes. Uh, compared to any other movie. Like the last bit of it, the last half of it even, feels like there's lots of dialogue because compared to the very silent first half, they really increase the dialogue a lot. But even when there's all the human characters running around, like the dialogue is not, it's pretty sparse. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really quite a creative risk to take. And even uh, even that first third, that first third or so with no dialogue, like that's a really risky, creative choice to make. And it, I think it pays off beautifully. Mm-hmm. I really I love it. Yeah. I love the all the section with no dialogue is so yeah. good. Yeah. Another risk they take is having live action parts. Like they have clips of Hello Dolly mm-hmm. throughout that are just like straight up live action within this cartoon. And also uh, Fred Willard as the captain guy. I don't remember his name. The president of Earth. Yeah, basically the president of Earth being he's live action there. And that's really unusual and kind of unexpected then when you go into space and the people aren't live action. Yeah. They're all very much cartoony, but... It's kind of jarring, actually. Especially Fred Willard is quite jarring. I'm not totally sure that the Fred Willard part uh, lands, Mm. but I give them a lot of credit for trying something really unique. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think it lands, like, in terms of Fred Willard is great and his performance is great, but the the disjoint between, from my experience as a viewer, the disjoint between the live-action Hello, Dolly! and Wally is not that big, but yeah. between the animated captain watching the real world, the live-action present of Earth in the past, is pretty jarring to me. Yeah, I think that's a good point. But I really respect the vision and creativity and uh, the kind of creative courage that takes to do something unexpected and unusual. Mm -hmm. And as is often the case for Pixar, there's a couple of things thrown in there for adults, specifically references to 2001 Mm -hmm. to possibly portal, but maybe that's just the similarities with 2001. (laughs) Um, And just, The whole cautionary tale, it feels like this is deliberately talking to adults as well as kids. 
that's another aspect of the creative vision that I have a lot of respect for that, like, we could talk, maybe this is the appropriate place to talk about it. We could talk about whether it veers to too preachy, but it's another, like, it's a bold step to have a movie that's like, this is a post-apocalyptic wasteland caused by you, the viewers, and your actions as you currently, like, you know, yep. it's very, uh provocative yes. in the sense of it is intended to provoke a reaction from the audience. Yeah. So non-objectively, how do you like this movie on a personal level? I love Wally. It's one of my favorite Pixar movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, high, high up there. I love it a lot. I think this is one of the movies that I think my affection for it is greater than my objective judgment of it. Hmm. I think it's really, really good, but I think I like it even more than I think it's good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, like, I mean, we, we've moved past objective judgments, but I think that the we kind of said, and could say it more clearly, like, the part where Wally is alone on Earth and where Eve comes and joins him on Earth is better than the part where they're in space. Uh, it's all good, but it gets less good as the movie goes on. Mm-hmm. Which is too bad. See, and that's where this isn't one of my favorite Pixar movies. I like it a lot, but I only like that first bit. That first third with Wally on Earth is really so beautiful. I love it, I love it, I love it. And they go off into space and it just it loses me. And frankly, I fell asleep again. That's not really to do with the movie, more to do with my uh, tiredness. But it was because it just, I, it's a lot of peril and not as clever of storytelling and not as sweet as the first bit. Yeah. And I felt like, and I I just, it loses me I don't in terms of my own affection. But, I mean, a Pixar movie that I don't like is still high up in my list of movies in general. And I don't dispute at all, like, that the part in space, the there's a lot of peril that never really ends, and the there's a lot, there are moments of cleverness, but a lot of it is pretty exactly what you would expect to happen happens. Mm-hmm. Exactly as you would expect it to happen. My, in terms of affection, like, my affection for the first third is so great that it carries me through the last the back half easily like i love that first part so much Mm -hmm. that like you could just show static for the last bit and it would still be one of my favorites (laughs) so our kids both cried in this movie they did and our younger daughter doesn't often cry in movies and she like just could not handle the fact that wally seems to die yeah and then he comes back and that was really emotional for her. It was really surprising to me how emotional both of our kids got over this movie. When and that I was a little bit, you were crying. That's the tick off in the column that Paul cried and I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I shed tears. No, oh, no. It was sad. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when the moment when like Eve finally fixes him up and he just acts like a passionless robot again. He runs over the cockroach. He runs over the cockroach. Like, that's the part that our kids both, like, 
it got them right in the feels yeah. because all he's wanted the whole movie is a companion. And when she has finally come around to wanting to be his companion and just hold his hand, he doesn't care about it anymore because his personality has been wiped up. It's worse than death. Yeah, it is. It is worse than death. But yeah. And then when, even when he found, I don't know, when he found his personality again, I think that our daughter tears turned from tears of sadness to tears of relief and she just was so overwhelmed by emotions yeah it was very sweet yeah so i think there's quite a bit to take seriously about this movie yeah so should we get into the way Way too too seriously portion of our show let's do that where would you like to start um well i mean let's talk about the environment, I guess, because that's <laughs> like the main part of this movie and the Let's seriousness. Let's talk about the environment, I guess. Like, okay, here's the thing about this movie, and maybe part of the reason why I struggle with it a bit is that they come back to Earth for one plant, and they know nothing. They don't even know what farming is. These are called farms. Humans will put seeds in the ground, pour water on them, and they grow food like pizza. And somehow, magically, they're going to remake the Earth. I just don't buy it. And it show in like in the post in like during the credits, it's showing you know a cart- very cartoonized version of them making Earth better. And I'm just like, nope, that's not happening. That's like them copping out of. They made an apocalyptic wasteland because of their garbage. And frankly, we're doing that right now on the earth. Yeah. And there's no reversing that. There's no going away for 700 years and coming back to that. If those people don't know how to remake the earth at all, that's just so unbelievable. And I guess like... I don't know. I don't want more realism in my kids' well, but, movies, but but I mean, do you you want it to be? Uh, there's, I think, two different things that I see in what you're saying, mm-hmm. and correct me if I'm wrong. But I hear you saying one that uh, you want it to be you want it to be more internally coherent in terms of the narrative. But two, I hear you saying that you want that the like message of the movie gets weakened because they cop out on it and they don't make the characters have lasting consequences. Yeah, I think that's the main thing that I'm concerned about is that the movie kind of cops out at the end. Because if the moral of the story of this movie is go away for 700 years and come back and everything will be all better again, it pulls the power away from the like, we are wrecking the earth. And turns it instead to, you know, give it a while and it'll be fine again. Yep, exactly. And I think, uh, I think what I'm hearing from you is you want them to tell us that no, it will not be fine. Because as long as we continue to believe, well, it'll be fine, eventually it's fixable, that's not strong enough to make us actually do anything about it. Yeah. We are filling our earth with garbage and I don't know how to fix that. And maybe in a kid's movie, they need to not be, like, 
this is the end of all things, but maybe they do because maybe it'll teach us something. Maybe they do. I feel like we've had far too many stories about environmental collapse that have pulled their punches that have said like, but actually it'll all be fine in the end. And you can make a new earth. I'm just sorry. It will not be fine in the end. Mm -hmm. Uh, the message, the moral that I, uh, take is from the Lorax book, not movie. Unless someone like you cares a whole lot, things are not going to change. They're not. You need to do something now, not 700 years from now. There's also a gigantic heaping dose of irony that we make this movie all about how we're filling the world with junk and not doing anything about it. And we're sitting there in a theater watching this with our giant, you know, disposable cup full of pop and our big disposable thing of popcorn and chowing on that and throwing that out at the end we're buying a crappy little wally toy we're making thousands yes there are absolutely there's wally pops right now Hmm. there are thousands and thousands and thousands of wally toys in the world that are in landfills think about that Or maybe don't think about that because it's making you sad. <laughs> but I'm just putting that out there. That the irony is not lost on me. And there's a statement in this movie in terms of the environmental theme. Like I want to maybe circle back to the hypocrisy of the movie. But for a second, the captain says that they need to go back because the plant needs someone to take care of it. So the message of the movie is pretty clearly, the environmental message of the movie is pretty clearly that uh, leaving the earth was the bad, the wrong choice. Yes. That taking care of the earth is not just uh, something that, I mean, that returning to earth is not just good for the humans. It's good for the earth. The earth needs humans to care for it. Mm-hmm. Right? And I wonder about that as the message, because on one hand, it is like a uh, environmental perspective I can get behind of like environmental stewardship and what humans need to be doing is caring for and protecting and uh, tending the earth. And when we do that, we can have a positive influence on it. Yeah. But there's also a sense of like, we are indispensable and vital and without us, the earth is going to turn into dust and ruin. And like, actually, I'm not sure that that's accurate. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. It's a way of justifying human... Existence? Existence, human (laughs) uh, action on the earth, right? Mm -hmm. There are things that we do that we're not sure what the effect of them on the earth is going to be. But if our philosophy is we need to be tending the earth and our tending is always going to be for the good, that's what allows us to make, um, that's what justifies making uh, harmful choices. Hmm. Yeah, I see what you mean. Like... Um, introducing the cane toad to Australia. Exactly. That's exactly that's not the kind of thing I'm thinking of. Yeah. But I'm really of two minds because actually my personal environmental 
perspective really is that humans need to be stewards and uh, tend the earth for the good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that is our role or should be. But I just wanted to call out that and interrogate it a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's also sorry, just um, back slightly to my rant yeah. in that like the main like there's this big and large yes. corporation. And once again, the, there's a bit of an irony that like Disney, who is like one of the biggest corporations in the world, is like making fun of, look at this giant corporation who did evil. I'm like, yeah, Disney, you do that a little bit. Despite the fact that we talk on this show about how much we love these movies and we love Disney and things like that, we also have a healthy knowledge of the damage that giant corporations like that have done, will do, and continue to do. Like, is there a corporation that more closely aligns to this image of by and large, multi-mega, all your needs in one place than Disney? I'm not sure there is. I'm not sure there is any corporation that is as close to what they're parroting as Disney is. Google, maybe. Google maybe, but it's a te- like Disney has its fingers in a lot of pies. Yeah, it does. Uh, because Disney is not just a media company; it's a make crap company. Mm-hmm. It's a merchandising, and you could get Disney branded, you know, shoes, pants, dinner, hat, house, yep, clock, right? Uh, Everything you own has the B&L logo on it. Everything you own has Mickey Mouse ears on it. You could do that. Yes, exactly. Uh, I don't know that there's another corporation that is as much like that as Disney is. Mm -hmm. So that the secondary theme of this movie is uh, anti-corporate, is pro-individualism and anti-corporate monopoly. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's being distributed by a soulless multinational national corporation. Yep. Uh, so there's some irony for you as well. Mm-hmm. So if we move away from some of these ir- ironies and environmental things into the relationships in this movie. Yeah. What do you think about Wally and Eve and their relationship? <sighs> I'm so conflicted because, on one hand, like, this is yet another movie with their robots. There's no reason that they need to be uh, gendered, especially as strongly gendered as they are. There's no reason that their relationship needs to be uh, subtextually romantic and sexual, but it is. Mm-hmm. And so it's this compulsory heterosexuality, it's this gender norms. That's like we have the girl robot is all sleek and curvy and the boy robot is all boxy and grungy. Uh, It's falling very, it's hewing very closely to a lot of gender norms and gender stereotypes and uh, heteronormative stereotypes. And like, I have a lot to criticize in it for that. However. However. Are they ever called he and she in the body of the actual movie? I don't buy. I mean, they're I, voiced by male men and women, like voice actors. I agree with that. 
But I feel like if you wanted to look at them as opposite gender to what they are, you could. You could say Wally is the girl robot, despite the fact that uh, he's coded to be male, Eve is coded to be female. If I choose to make them the opposite in my head, there's absolutely nothing stopping me in the text of the movie. You said that while we were watching it, and I don't buy it. Okay. I don't, I mean, you can if you want to, but I think that is uh, weak because Eve is as uh, archetypically feminine a name as you could think of. Yes, fair enough. And she has a girl voice, a female voice actor, a girlish voice. She giggles, she falls under, like, I guess you could say, oh, it is a male robot with a stereotypically girly name, stereotypically girly voice, stereotypically girly mannerisms, and nothing to counter that in any way. I guess you could. <laughs> mm-hmm. You could, I think, just with just as much justification, say that, uh, you know, Violet in uh, The Incredibles is uh, transgender and was born male. I guess you, you could. There's nothing that says that didn't happen, but it seems like, okay, sure. I'm not going to give the movie credit for that, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She's not trans representation, and this movie is not uh, non-gendered relationship representation. It could have been, but it isn't. Okay, fair enough. Having said that, I'm like a uh, romantic at heart, and like... I really like the romance between the two robots in this movie. Like, I find it really sweet, and I'm totally invested in it. Mm-hmm. So I can find things to criticize in it. And also, in terms of criticism of it, like, Wally is really fixated on wanting to hold her hand, and she doesn't want to hold his hand. And then she's unconscious, and he carries her body around and, like, forces her hand to hold with him while he's she's unconscious. Yep. That's problematic. Hella problematic. But still, I find it really sweet. <laughs> mm-hmm. I recognize that's problematic, but I also like it's one of the, I think it's the most uh, romance I find most romantic in uh, any Pixar movie, certainly. Maybe any, maybe, oh, the, the old couple and up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, it tugs on my heartstrings and I find them really, really cute and sweet. And I like when they're dancing together and I really like it. Yeah, it's true. so that's my like critical thinking brain and my soft romantic heart at war with each other yeah as is often the case here on way too seriously yeah um there is the compulsory heterosexuality in the two humans that meet yeah certainly mary and john i believe they're the other names and why yeah exactly it makes no sense it not it doesn't add anything to the story at all. They could have just as easily been like friends who met. Yeah. People who met. They add romance to it unnecessarily. Yeah. I don't think that those characters needed to exist at all. But if you're going to have them exist, there's no reason that they need to be a boy-girl pair off and have kids like that. Let's have a bunch of kids right now because we're catching the babies. It's like. Yeah. Ugh. I roll. <laughs> And it makes also the only female human. They just it is 
a pointless love interest for a pointless male human. Like, you couldn't have the captain be a woman. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And the ship is, a f- is female. The ship is voiced by Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. The But the ship so, is female, but the captain is male and the autopilot is male. Yeah. So the robot captain is also male. If the sh- captain was a woman and the other humans just weren't. Like, we don't need... I suppose there's some... In terms of emotional connection to these blobs of humans, like John and Mary matter a tiny bit because... They do. They connect you to the to care a little bit more about the humans. Yeah. But only a little. Yeah. And the captain really does that. Yes, that's a good point. The captain's the only human character we really needed. Mm-hmm. And, yeah... Totally. John and Mary's romance is like, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't need to exist. And in fact, that it does exist is worse than pointless. It damages the, like, it adds this flat compulsory heterosexuality, compulsory, everyone has to pair off because we say so. Yeah. That's like, gah. Yep. I agree. Do you want to talk about the fat people? Maybe. And their fatness? Is it positive? Is it negative? I can't decide. It's negative in terms of everyone turns into big fatties because they didn't do anything. But, like, the way that they're depicted is so... They're not just fat. They're, like, short-armed, stubby-fingered, low bone mass. They're, like... Yeah, uh, and this is what they say, is that you probably have lost some bone mass, and so... I just don't feel like it's a fat joke. Yes, I agree. Well, it is a little... Maybe a little. All the eating, that they're always yeah. asking for more food. Yeah. They're a bunch of fatties who are always sitting on their butts asking for more food. Yeah, exactly. That's intended to be, and is probably a poorly thought out, uh, commentary on sedentary lifestyle of your movie going public. <laughs> so maybe that's a fat joke. I feel like they're, more than anything, they are connected, they are visually babies rather than fat Mm, adults yes i think that's maybe a good point so i feel like maybe it is a fat joke and we should raise an eyebrow at it but only a little bit it could have been so much worse of fat jokes yes it could have been much worse because the point of it is just that they are uh have been in space and inactive and are like infantile Mm -hmm. i think yeah there are some questions about like how they have, there are babies and kids on this ship, and how are they making babies if they never seem to interact with each other? Unless it's all, I mean, it's all automated. Don't think about it too hard, too, too (laughs) hard. Don't think about it too hard, too, too hard. Yeah, it's true. Don't think about it too hard. But it's also like, and how have they supported a growing population if it's been 700 years the population should, if the population has had any kind of growth, it's so much. How are they? I mean, I suppose if it's all automated, then the machines are a little bit AI. They're building things themselves and they can build more things to support the humans. Yeah. I guess. We can, I think. I, like, I mean, we can hand, hand wave, a lot wave of that they set off with a ship that had lots of room. 
And now the ship doesn't have lots of room. Yeah, okay. And even still, the ship has lots of room. Yeah. There's room to expand in the ship as we see it. Mm -hmm. And there's multiple ships, is what it implied. Yeah, it implied there's multiple ships. That was a question I had. It implied there's multiple ships, but only the one ship do we see returning to Earth. But does the thing... I thought maybe it was a fleet that we just didn't quite see the other ones, but it was a fleet altogether. And once they've entered the plant, it automatically sends all the rest of the ships back to... Yes. I can, like, okay. <laughs> I'll just accept that. There's a there's a few plot holes in this that we'll just accept. It's really this... about Wally and Eve and their adorableness and the adventures that they have. The science of Wally is a little bit uh, pro- uh, dubious. As our daughter asked when they were watching, like, how could there be blue jays when there was just one plant? <laughs> and we had mm-hmm. to be like, well, maybe they had eggs on the ship. Yep. Uh, she raised, even our nine-year-old was like, eyebrow raise, I find this questionable. Yep, exactly. So, but which goes right back to where you started, that like, the utopian ending doesn't quite land because it's not quite plausible, even within the logic of the movie, and Mm -hmm. especially outside the logic of the movie, especially with the logic of the real world. Yep. That you've shown us a, I think, pessimistic, but not totally implausible dystopian future. And then you've tried to make it fixable, but it isn't. Yeah, The dystopian future you showed us is not fixable. Yeah, I agree. So if you have some feelings about Wally or (laughs) the relationship that Tim and Eve have, give us a shout out on Twitter, at WTSCast. You can send us an email, waytoseriouslycast at gmail.com. We are on all of the social medias, the Facebooks, the Reddits, the Instagrams. That All those links are, as always, in our show notes. We love your support. We have Patreon goals that we're meeting and exceeding, and that's really awesome. So you can even help us reach all of our other Patreon goals, patreon.com slash clockworkscast. And if you're listening to this and we recorded this like two years ago and it's the future, we still want to hear from you. Still add us on Twitter. Still send us an email. We want to hear your thoughts on Wally, even if you're listening to this like a year after we recorded it. That's cool too. Sometimes when I listen to podcasts, I'm like, oh, they recorded this so long ago. I shouldn't react to it. Even like sometimes even a week later, I'm like, ah, I shouldn't react to it. But still do. We still want to hear from you. Absolutely. This is your permission to do that kind of thing. No matter how, when you're hearing this, even if it's in a post-apocalyptic desolate wasteland, we'll still still be on Twitter. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. And what was that? That was my sign off. But what was it? I made that sound with my mouth, Jen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 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 <laughs>